This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. So welcome everybody. Welcome all our online viewers. Uh, Torah Anytime, just welcome everybody. So tonight, tonight I have to give you a little bit of background. Um, tonight's the type of class that... Well, let me back it up a little bit. Let me explain to you how I prepare my, my, my shear and my classes. So what I, what I generally do, and this is my general way of preparing the shear, is I go and I collect a lot of information on whatever subject it is that I'm looking for. And once I have that information, I go and I compile it into, you know, I write it down in my notes. And then now I have all the information spread out in front of me. Now what I need to do and probably the hardest part, well, maybe not the hardest part, but, but it, it's not easy, is orchestrating it to put it in the right places. Meaning, so you have a bunch of notes. You know how you, you have like people that edit videos or things like that? Not everything makes it to the final cut. So, you know, I, I'm preparing for a share. I collect a lot of information. And I'll tell you how it used to be. Now I'm a little bit better, but it used to be that I used to write maybe 30 pages of notes for every share. And only maybe... 10 pages of those made it into the actual share what I actually speak about. That's a, now, it got, now it changed a little bit. Um, but I spent a lot of time you know, orchestrating and making sure that it flows and the information is transmitted as clearly as I, as, as I could uh, you know, transmit it. But today is a little bit different. So today I had something I wanted to speak about. And as I was compiling it, as I was moving things around and making it, I started realizing, okay, I may be focusing on the wrong thing. There's a very, very important area that I should really be focusing it on, uh, focusing on. And I realized that a big chunk of what I prepared to speak about today is not really appropriate, and I don't really, I, I sh- it's not really so relative to what I need to speak about. So about an hour ago, or an hour and a half ago, I was frantically going, and I was like, okay, how am I going to do this? This is something, I had to, I had to start moving things around, then I had to start adding things, and I had to start, it was just like, I was all over the place. I was really all over the place. So, I was thinking, should I just do my original plan, or go back, or go back to what I think is more appropriate in the, in the way to present it? So I'm going to try to do what I feel is more important, more appropriate in, in the way to present this. The problem with that is, is that, not a problem, the caveat here is, it's, it's very philosophical. So you're going to have to bear with me, you're going to have to like, do a little bit of uh, thinking and staying, staying with me. I'm going to try to make it as clear as possible, uh, but it's more of a thinking type of share. But not so much thinking as like, oh wait, I don't understand it. It's more about thinking about your life is really what the focus. So it's a, that's why I say philosophical and not like intellectual, for example, even though they're quite related, but it's more of a philosophical question that you're going to need to, um, you need to ask. So with that being said, and especially since really when I speak about topics like these, I really would prefer to have more time to process it and really, you know, like contemplate on the, on the information and try to see what is the best way to deliver it. But I didn't have the time because this came a little bit shorthanded so on me. So, we're going to ask Hashem, as we always do, for help in uh, presenting this information the clearest way possible. So with that introduction, we will uh, begin. So the topic was spiritual pursuits versus physical pursuits. And I'll tell you a little secret, that when I sent in this topic to be um, put in, I, it was only a small part of this year. 
It was only a small aspect of the share, but I felt it was very important. And from that small aspect, this whole share is where I'm about to share with you that it, it whole branched out into this, uh, in, into this topic. And I feel it's extremely, extremely important. So when you're going to spiritual pursuits versus physical pursuits, so let's try to explain that. So meaning that your goal in your life your focus in your life, what is important in your life, is it more on the physical or is it more on the spiritual? Now, even if it's on the physical or it's on the spiritual, what is your path? The second part is what is your path of getting there? And, and how are you going to achieve either that physical or that spiritual pursuit? And again, m- most people have both of them. So we were going to begin to, to ask, and when I mean ask, I mean ask yourself, is what is your focus in your life? In order to explain this, think about who you are more impressed. Who do you give more honor to? Who do you give more kavod to? Let's say you have a tzaddik, a righteous, righteous person, or you have a multi-billionaire. So who are you looking up to more? Who do you run to? If they are offering advice, or if they have a shir, or a lecture, or a seminar, who are you running to? Who do you aspire to be like? Do you aspire to be like the multi-billionaire or the multi-millionaire, or do you aspire to be like the tzaddik? And you have something very interesting. You have people that were wealthy at one point in their life, and, and uh, I've heard this firsthand, where they say that you know people come to them for advice, and they ask them all these questions, and then unfortunately things turned around, and uh, you know the mazal wasn't smiling at them as it used to be, as they say, and it started uh, you know they started losing a lot of their money, and what they noticed is that a lot of the people that used to come and ask for advice, stopped coming and asked for advice. And they were wondering, like, what's the difference? Like, my brain is the same brain. My information is the same information. So what changed when you had somebody, when I had money, that's when people are going asking for advice. When I don't have money, people are not asking for advice. So what, it's, it's not that if you lose your marbles and you're not there anymore, then fine, I understand. But if you lose your money, then what does that have to do with the, with the advice? So Elamai, what do we, how, how do we go and how do we understand this? That people tend to think, unfortunately, this is a common misconception and it's sort of like a natural way to think, unfortunately, if you're thinking in the secular world, is that if somebody had money and then they lost money, then it must be their fault. It must be that something was wrong on their end and that's why they lost the money. So hence, why should I go ask advice from somebody who is obviously, you know, is not doing the smartest thing? He's obviously, he's, he's losing money. On the other hand, if you know that everything is from Hashem and has nothing to do with the other guy, then it doesn't matter whether he has money or he doesn't have money. His advice could either be sound or not. Or, I mean, it depends on his intellect, depends on where he's holding in life. But it has nothing to do with his wealth. But what we see over here is something very important that why are people running to these type of people to ask them for advice, either about their business or... And by the way, sometimes it's rightfully so, you should do that, because somebody that's been in the business for a long time has experience, and they know what they're talking about generally. But it's not a 100%, uh, uh, you know, the, the, it's not 1 plus 1 equals 2. Just because someone's successful doesn't mean that they know what they're talking about. How many people do we know that do not know what they're talking about, and they're extremely successful? On the other hand, how many people do you know that know so much and they really should be the most successful people like on the planet and yet they are stuck in a mediocre type of job maybe they're not saying this is mediocre but maybe they're going and the reason why i'm saying this example is because i've seen this where you have professors in college who are geniuses whether it's in business in math in science in medicine whatever it is 
and they have the ability to go and make a tremendous amount of money if they would go and put this into practice. But yet they choose to go and to speak about it, or whatever it is, and to lecture about it. Which, again, it's a great thing. I'm not saying anything wrong. But here you see somebody that has the knowledge, but maybe doesn't have the wealth, but is more qualified to speak to, to, to provide that information than a person who has the wealth, but doesn't necessarily always have the knowledge. So why do people go and run? Because this is who they look up to. If somebody has money, then they look up. Okay, I have to give, uh, oh, this is amazing. This guy has a tremendous amount of money. And they give honor and they give respect to that. But really, there's a reason that is underlining all that reasons. And if you really are honest with yourself, if you're one of those type of people that go and run and ask, and again, I'm not saying it's a bad thing. It's a good thing. Go and ask advice. It's all about getting information. Information is extremely important. But why do some people go and ask information or ask you know, advice from wealthy people or they try to befriend wealthy people? Because at the end of the day, they want something from it. It's not about what you have in here, but it's what you have in here. It's what you have in your, in your bank account. I'm not after your knowledge. I'm going to give you the information, but maybe you're going to want to invest. Maybe you're going to want... I'm looking for something else. It might be subconscious, but it's something that I'm looking for that I'm not asking. There's a question... And then there is a request that I'm not telling, and I'm hoping that you'll figure out, and I'm hoping that I'm going to gain something. So people befriend wealthy, befriend this. Why? Because they feel like they're going to get something from it. And that is a very, very bad perspective, because that's not the reason that you should befriend people. Not to get something. That's, not befri- that's just making your own selfish desires. If you want to befriend somebody, befriend somebody for who they are. And if you want to get something out of them, then you're misrepresenting the whole idea of Judaism, which, you, which is the other person can't give you anything. Only HaKadosh Baruch can give you something. And we can take this a step further. And we can see how it is that, that people, you know, where, where people put their respect, where put, people put their, who they are impressed by. You have non-Jewish motivational speakers, for example, where a daily seminar, the minimum ticket, the starting ticket to get in, costs about over $1,000. Meaning that you're paying $1,000 to hear some guy scream at you, tell you or whatever that you can do it, or whatever it is that they're, that they're uh, presenting. And those tickets can go up to like $3,000. Then you have a huge rabbi that comes to give a speech, a lecture, a shiur Torah. And there's a cover cost, maybe $18, maybe $25. Already people are like, oh, I don't know, you know, I'll pay $18. And be like, wait a minute, you just spent $1,000 to hear someone scream at you and say, you can be a good businessman. You can succeed. Apparently this guy sounds like Dracula. You can. <laughs> this is who you're motivated. And this who is what? You're like, okay, fine, that's okay. But wait a minute, when the big rabbi, like, $18 cover cost, what's the topic? Uh-huh. Is there going to be sushi there? Where's my money going to? All of a sudden, so what do we see over here, the difference? That when it comes to somebody who's a multi-billionaire and he's going and he's going to share with you his secrets of the universe and he's going to tell you exactly how to live your life to be the best you who you can be. And he's telling you all the secrets that he spent his past four days studying for or whatever it is, however long it took him. And he's going and presenting this information to you. You're willing to go and pay $1,000. Now, you may not, but assuming that you are. But when it comes to Shiva and you have somebody over here that going and it's to also, if you think about it, the end goal is how you're going to live your life. Generally speaking, motivational speakers, they motivate you how to live your life. They, even though their, their, their end goal might be money, but it's really how you're going to become a better you to get to where you want to get to. So you have a motivational speaker on one side who is basically telling you how to live your life. Then you have a rabbi 
telling you how to live your life also. One is from research, one is for Hashem, one you're willing to drop a grand, the other one you have to consider the $18, and if it comes with any bonuses, any private sessions with the rabbi, am I going to get a special blessing, maybe some holy water, I don't know, depending on who you're going to speak to. You have all these questions that come in, be like, wait a minute, something is off over here. You know what's off? What's off is your focus. Where are you more impressed by? Where do you hold a higher area of, of you know, kavod for, or, or looking up to? Is it the rabbi, or is it the wealthy, successful businessman? Now, another way to understand the focus is the way that you relate to your children. So if you have somebody that goes and says to the children, oh, you're going to be a doctor, you're going to be a lawyer, then the focus is very obvious. Your focus is what? Your focus is, you know, success in this physical world. Somebody else might say, oh, you're going to be a big tzaddik. You're going to be a big tamachacham. You're going to be a big tzaddik. Is that you're going to be able to go and, and inspire people and help people. So this person's focus is what? Is something is, is more on the spiritual side. So you could see or you could feel of where your, where do you hold more higher is on how you relate the information. How, you, how do you go and speak to your children? If you're more impressed by money, or you're more impressed by righteousness about tzaddikim, you know, all these things, you have people in their house, they have pictures. So they have pictures with them and celebrities or politicians, smiling, holding their hands, doing that, you know, like shake, you know, like, oh yeah, we got it, we got it, we got it. there's a million dollar donation, good. And then you have other people who are sitting and have pictures of them and the rabbi, them and the gadol adol, that's what the pictures are. So where is your focus? Is your focus with Donald Trump, no offense to Donald Trump, or whatever other politician or successful businessman, you're sitting there with Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos, you know, somehow you got them in the same room, hand in hand, together you're traveling space, whatever it is the picture is going to be, and you're sitting over there and that's what's here on your wall, or you have a picture of Chaim Knievsky. Or are you going and getting a bracha from Steinman? Or whatever it is. Where is your focus? Is your focus more on the spiritual? Or is your focus more on the physical? Now parents will go and say, listen, I'm only going and pushing my children to go and get degrees and become a doctors and lawyers and, and whatever it is there because I want them to live a good life. I want them to be, have a successful, happy life. So the Chavetz Chaim was once speaking to a group of wealthy people. And he told them that... When they support Torah, they will receive the same reward as the Torah scholars that are sitting and learning Torah. So one of the wealthy men said to the Chavetz Chaim, so he said, so if that's the case, why don't you join me in my business? I mean, this guy was smart. Imagine having the Chavetz Chaim on your business team, right? Forget a guy who's wealthy man. It's an opportunity over here. So Chavetz Chaim, so why don't you come, Rabbi, and join me in my business. You'll earn a lot of money. You're very smart. You're a very intellectual person. You'll be able to earn a lot of money. You'll be able to go, and you'll be able to donate to Torah. And here, you're going to have the same reward in the next world. So the Chavetz Chaim replied, he says, yes, the reward in the next world will be the same. But what about this world? Says the Chavetz Chaim, because fortunate are those who study Torah. Fortunate are those that have spent... He says, forget about that. You know how the Chavetz... You know what a level that is? Chavetz Chaim had his priorities straight. The focus for the pleasures of this world was the spiritual pleasures. That's where he said, he says, yeah, 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 I, you know what... We can get into business. We can make a lot of money. We can buy the yachts and the planes and all the mansions and, and, and summer houses and winter houses and Chavez houses and different houses and different countries. And we could have, you know, estates and tremendous amount of success. 
But where's my pleasure in this world going to be? He says, you know where my pleasure in this world is going to be? When I open up a piece of Gemara, when I open up the Mishnah Bura, when I open up, you know, uh, the Shulchan Aruch, that's where my pleasure is. He says, forget it. Yeah, next world will be the same, but what about this world? He saw what the spiritual was this world. So there is, where's your focus? The focus that we each have to ask, our, ask ourselves is where is our focus? And how important is this question? This question will trend, it will change the way that you see life. And let's say, and let's take this another step forward. You have physical and you have spiritual. But you can have it that your physical is spiritual. Let me give you an example. So let's say, um, you know, you are, you want to buy a larger table or more chairs, whatever it is in your house or in your apartment. Why? So you can have more achnasas archim. Yeah, you can have more guests. So here you're getting something physical. But your purpose of getting something physical is to do more spiritual, to do more chesed. You're buying better food, but it's for Shabbat. You're buying better, nicer clothing, but it's for Yom Tov, or again, Shabbat, or, or whatever it is, something in the spiritual aspect. So you're using your physical for your spiritual. And by the way, this is a big part of Yiddish, guys. It's a big part of Judaism, where you take the physical and you raise it, to the phys- to, to, when you take something physical and you raise it to the spiritual. That's the whole idea, well, one of the ideas behind making a blessing. You're taking an apple, an orange, a food, a piece of meat, whatever it is, and you're, you're about to eat something physical, you make a blessing on it, you make a bachana, and that takes that aspect and it moves it up into a spiritual, it moves it from a physical into a spiritual uh, um, uh, power. So you can take something physical and you can make it spiritual. But it could also be the other way around. And bear with me on this. You could take something spiritual and make it physical. Meaning that you're using your spiritual just to pursue your own desires. So for example, honor. Let's say somebody goes and decides they want to, you know, uh, become a rabbi. They want to give classes. They want, why? Ah, oh, look at the kavod. Look at that. Everyone's going to speak to me. You're going to say, oh, you know, are you from Torah anytime? Wow, you know, Torah anytime. Best website in the world. I read it. It's so amazing. Blah, blah. You know, oh, look at the kavod or the honor. Or maybe for the money. Again, not much money over here, but again, maybe there's money in the, you, you know, becoming a big mukubal, and you're gonna go and you're gonna charge people to go and see them and look into their soul and tell them what's wrong with them. Ah, so you go, so you could go into the spiritual, but your focus really is the physical. So here you, you see something very interesting, that you could take something spiritual, and really make it physical. And by the way, it could be other ways. It doesn't have to be in the, that, that's only the, these, you know, select uh, examples is only for a select few. But what about, you know, somebody who's about to go and listen to Shio Torah? So who do they listen to? Maybe somebody who's only entertaining. Maybe somebody that they're going to enjoy. And again, I'm not saying that's wrong. You should definitely enjoy what you're listening to. And you should definitely enjoy the topics. But that's something that you have to think about. It'll be like, wait a minute, why am I only, it, it, then, Am I listening to something only for my own enjoyment? I'm not listening to gain. Maybe I'm going to get both. And again, I'm not, I'm very, very dangerous line that I'm speaking about over here because you should listen to what you enjoy. But at the same point in time, you have to think about it. Be like, wait a minute. If I am going for my spiritual pursuit, then at the end of the day, whether I enjoy it or not in the beginning, that's not really the goal. The goal is to gain that spiritual pursuit. Although you should be enjoying it. So I know I'm conflicting myself, but you have to just ask that question. Still do what you're doing. But just ask that question. And this is one of the reasons why, you know, so now we're still giving out topics. Before, uh, you know, the class, we send out the topic and all the, you know, it's on the social media platforms and, and, and the WhatsApp groups. We post the topic of what we're about to speak about. 
many times I was thinking about maybe I shouldn't. Maybe I shouldn't. Have. Why should I say, oh, this is an interesting topic. Let me listen to this class. No, well, you should learn. if you're learning Torah, you should learn Torah. Regardless of the topic, there's something that you're going to be able to learn. Oh, but maybe if it speaks about dating, oh, people love dating. People love it. Marriage classes, that's the best. Okay, so now I'm going to go listen to it. But maybe you should also listen to Halakha class. Maybe you should also listen to a class on the Pasha. Maybe there's so many other things that you should be listening to it. So I was contemplating on that, but right now I am pre- presenting the, you know, the topics. But that was the reason, but like it should really be that you're learning Torah because you're learning Torah. Every Thursday, you know you have a you have a shiur Torah. That's where you come to, or whatever other class that you're listening to. You have a set class, and that's where you're going to listen to, regardless of the topics. So we see over here that your spiritual can be physical, and your physical can be spiritual. But let's say your physical is physical, and your spiritual is spiritual. I hope I'm with you, and I don't lose you guys yet. So <clears throat> there's something very interesting. If your physical is physical and your spiritual is spiritual, you still have the you you could still unfortunately lose it all. And how does that work? So. We know that HaKadosh Baruch Hu could go and grant someone wealth for the purpose of destroying that person. As it says in Kohelet, chapter 5, verse 12. It says over here that that our riches are kept to their owner to his, for his arm, to hurt him. Meaning what? That Hashem could give somebody money to destroy them. So let's try to explain this. Somebody who doesn't have any money doesn't have the ability, let's say, to go to Atlantic City or Las Vegas and gamble. They don't have the money to gamble. I mean, again, there's always ways. But generally, if you don't have the money, you're generally not going for it. So let's say somebody does have the money. And Agnes Rahu does bless them with, with success. And they do have uh, you know, success. And they take that success. And now uh, they go and they travel to Las Vegas. They travel to Atlantic City. They travel to a place. And they go and they gamble it away. And how many people went, you know, became wealthy, went gambled, and lost everything. And I'm, talk, I'm talking about everything. I'm talking about their business, their family, to, to the point even that they lost their life. Literally, they lost their life. They, commit, they committed suicide. They, they, they were done. They literally lost everything. Here you have somebody that was given money, that was given tremendous amount of money, and that money was the cause of their downfall. Now again, it was, it was obviously their own, you know, free will that uh, brought them to that. But at the end of the day, the money gave them the ability to bring them down. And not only brought them down, but it also lost their spiritual along with it. And it's not only them, it could also affect the family. It could, the wife, the kids, the kids, you know, grow up in a, fa- in, in a situation where they don't have to work and they get older and they have plenty of time. And when you have plenty of time, it's not good, it's not healthy. You could lead to, uh, you could lead to sin. And it's the same thing for the wife. If she's not, if she's not busy, it could lead to, you know, get in trouble. Let's just call it that way. So, there are many factors that sometimes that the money, the physical, can actually destroy the spiritual. So we have to. We see over here that we have to have a very, very important understanding, very, very clear understanding. I should rather say that you have to realize where is your focus? Is your spiritual spiritual? Is your physical spiritual? Or is your spiritual physical? And even if your spiritual is spiritual and your physical is physical, you can still lose it all. I don't know if you didn't. Let me repeat that because that's something very. Listen to this. It's because there's, there's. It's beautiful. I don't know. I think it's beautiful. The question you have to ask yourself is: Your spiritual, spiritual. When you're praying, that are you learning? Is that for the spiritual purpose? Next is your physical, spiritual. You're about to eat something. You're about to buy something. Are you? Is this for a spiritual purpose? And again, you could almost make anything. Again, not available, not sins, but you can make almost anything into spiritual if you utilize it for the right way. If you utilize it for the right thing, whether it's buying a house, a car, going even going on vacation, 
you could go on vacation, you can make it into a spiritual aspect. Okay, I'm using this to help me grow, to help me relax, so I can be able to go and, and sort of recharge. So your physical could be spiritual, your spiritual could be spiritual, but on the flip side, your spiritual cannot be spiritual, it could be physical, and then your physical is obviously not going to be spiritual. Your physical is going to be physical. So you're going to end up with physical, physical, spiritual, physical. Meaning that everything you're doing on it is only for now. It's only for here. You're, and what is, what is an example of that? So you, when you're doing something, you're not doing something for the right purposes. You're going and you're giving a donation. Why? Because you want your name to be on the building. You're going and you're helping somebody. Why? Because you want that person to thank you. That's the only reason. If he doesn't thank you, it's not worth it. Uh, you, you, there's so many other aspects that we you stop for a second. We think about where is our focus? Our focus has to be very clear, and it's a question that we need to ask. Now, when you have the physical, and let's say you're, you know, the physical pursuit, there is a way of losing it, and we could, and we could sort of break it off into two different ways of losing the physical pursuits. Number one, you could have it and lose it. So, there's a previous example that we gave, or you can never have it. Now, let's explain. So, first of all, you can have. Let's, so again, let's try to be clear over here so we're, we're, everybody's on the same page. There's spiritual pursuits and there's physical pursuits. Spiritual pursuits, let's put on the back burner for now. Let's try to focus a little bit on the physical. Let's say somebody's focusing very, very heavily on the, on the, on the, on the physical. That physical, even all their focus can go to waste. Uh, they can, and how? Either but one of two ways. Either they can lose it, they can have it and then lose it, or they can never have it to begin with. Now, let's explain. So, the, Physical, where you have it and you lose it. So that, that could be the example that we gave before through gambling. It could also be through bad investments. I remember hearing a story, I believe it was after the crash of, you know, like the, the stock market crash was like 2008 or something along the, uh, somewhere around there, where you had a billionaire that had a tremendous amount of money, but he lost a lot. Lost a lot, a lot of money. And he still had left over. I want to say about 17 billion left over, but he lost a lot. He lost billions and billions of dollars. He still had 17 billion left over, but yet, you know, he couldn't deal with it and he ended up, you know, taking his life. He ended up committing suicide. He had 17 or something billion dollars left. So here you have somebody who had everything, but he still lost everything. So you could lose everything through gambling. You could lose something through bad investments. And even if you don't lose everything, you could still, if you're not in the right mindset, you can't even enjoy it. And that's considered as if it's lost. You have somebody who's a billionaire, but they're too stingy. They can't enjoy it. So what's their money? What, what, what effect does it have? In fact, they may be worse off than somebody who's just barely getting by. They can enjoy their money much more than somebody who has this, you know, stingy, like I'm talking about the real level of stinginess or, you know, miserliness or something along those lines. It's sometimes, for some people, it's a disease. They can't. You know, like, it's a shame when you have people that have so much money, but yet they're negotiating to try to save a nickel. Or, you know, a few cents over here, a few cents over there. And, you know, just what do they say? Oh, you want to know how I became wealthy? Because I worked like this. I'm like, no, no. You don't get millions of dollars because you save 25 cents on buying tomatoes in a different place. That's not how you become wealthy. All right? That's your disease talking to you and saying, you know, like this, you know, Michigas. Well, that's neither here nor there. But we see over here that you can have the physical, but you can lose it. It could be through health, it could be through investments, it could be through gambling, it could be whatever it is, or it could be through some sort of mental, logical, you know, mental you know, breakdown or something like that. The second way of losing it is never having it. So how do you, what does that mean, your physical pursuit that you never have it? That you know, there's no guarantee for success. You have people that could do all the right things. They have all the right connections. They have the right funding. They have the best ideas. They have everything, but they still fail. You know why? Because nothing is for sure. 
what is the joke that they say? There's nothing, there's nothing for certain except for taxes and death. It's the only thing that you know it's for certain. But you have somebody that has everything lined up and they're spending their whole life going and achieving for it. They go to school and they go and they meet the right people. They get the right funding. And at the end, it doesn't mean that they're going to be successful. So the, what that could end up happening is you could put a tremendous amount of time and effort on this spiritual, uh, physical try to you know make money or whatever it is that you want. And it could all be for a waste. Put it this way. Let's say somebody's working on a deal for five years. It's a billion dollar deal. Not a billion dollars of like, that's how much, you know, and he's going to make a small percentage. He will net a billion dollars if this deal closes. He is, I don't know, whatever. He's selling nuclear weapons to everybody. Whatever it is. He's doing something big. <clears throat> five years he's working on it. He gets this close to closing it. This close to closing the deal and it all falls apart. So what did they get for the last five years? Nothing. Zero. There's nothing to show for it. Nothing. There's nothing in the bank account. There's nothing that, that can come. There's nothing that could, meaning that that five years were a waste of time. So you could spend your, your, your physical pursuit of whatever it is that you want and you could still like not come out with anything. But listen to the beauty of a spiritual pursuit. Let's say you're going and you're trying to achieve something spiritually. Whether it's learning, <coughs> whether it's fixing your character, whatever it is, praying, whatever it is. And let's say you don't accomplish it. You try, you put the effort in, but you don't accomplish it. You still get reward. That's, that doesn't mean that you didn't gain anything. It doesn't mean that you lost everything. Even to the point that let's say you're going and you're collecting charity for somebody. And you're not making any money. No one's giving any money. You're still getting reward for going and, you know, asking people for, for money to go and help this, you know, I don't know, poor Kala go and get married. Whatever the, it is that you're raising. Even when you're doing something spiritual, even if you're not successful, you still get reward for the effort. If you're doing something physical, if you're not successful, there is nothing to show for the effort over here. This is where you have people that their whole focus is Physical, 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 money, 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 whatever it is, and the physical desires, whatever it is. All day, they're pursuing that. And it comes at the expense of their family, at the expense of their learning, expense of their praying, expense of their growing. At the end, they don't succeed, unfortunately, or fortunately, depending on the situation. So what happens? This person loses both this world and the next world. They, they gave up money for, you know, the spiritual. They didn't pray, they didn't go to shul, they didn't go learn, they didn't do all that. Why? Because they're trying to focus on the money. But at the end of the day, they didn't get here and they didn't get it here. As I say, you hear this, nishtahin and nishtahir. They're neither here nor there. They didn't get anywhere. Happened to be, this is one of the things, since I was younger, I don't want to get into this, but since I was younger, it's something that really bothered, that really focused me. Like, you know, like when I'm putting effort to something, I want to show something that comes out of it. So why am I putting so much effort in X, Y, and Z if, no, if, if it's not a for sure, if I'm going and I'm sitting, I'm learning, I know for sure I take that to the bank. But if you're doing anything else, you're not necessarily going doing something, you, you can't necessarily take that to the bank. Now again, this is not the, the, the most correct way to look at things because you have to do your shtadut and we're going to get to that. But this is something that you have to think about. It's something that you, you, you know, there's, there's a win-win situation over here and there's a possible win. I'm not saying you shouldn't do anything in the physical pursuit, but you have to keep that in mind. So, when you're doing a, a, a you know, pursuing phys- physical stuff, you always have to know that you cannot get anything that isn't already meant to be yours. Rav Moshe Sternbach's father passed away when he was young. And after his father passed away, the entire burden of Panasab, making money, fell on the mother's shoulder. So she turned to Rav Hanu Wasserman and said, you know, what should she do? She has two full-time jobs. Now she has to work full-time to, in order to support a family. And she has to be a mother full-time. Not only a mother, a mother and a father full-time. So she has these two full-time jobs. How is she supposed to balance it? 
So Rabbi Hanum Wasserman went and, and responded to her. He says, we cannot seize anything that is not ours. And if you do get something that's not yours, you're going to end up having to return it in some way or another. So therefore, he says, go and spend as much time as you can raising your children. And in the remaining time, that's where you're going to go and that's where you should you know, work on earning a, a living. That is a guttle, you know, speaking. That is the correct mindset. Hard, hard level to get to. So now we presented the problem. The pro- problem presented is where is our focus and how we're going to... Now I'm going to give you an answer or a solution or a guidance or maybe a doorway, but you might not see the answer to the problem. So you have to stay with me. You have to bear with me and hopefully you'll be able to see it. And if not... It's still going to be okay, and I'll explain why, why soon. So in order to, to go and understand this, this uh, um, really complex idea of this philosophical, I shouldn't say complex idea, but really a philosophical question that we have to ask ourselves or where we're holding in our life. If we look at Hishtadlut, the aspect of Hishtadlut, so there's two different views. We have the Chavot al-Vavot in Sha'a B'Tachon that goes, and he says that it's forbidden to rely on a miracle. And that it requires, you have to require Ishtadlut. Ishtadlut is effort. You have to do physical effort. And then once you do your effort, then you rely on Kaddish Baruch Hu, you rely, rely on Hashem. That's what the Chobos of Allah says. The Ramban, Nachmanides, goes and says, no, you could cast your entire burden upon Hashem. Everything upon Hashem. He can do everything without your effort. No effort needed. So Rishol Salanta goes and says, the level of the Chobos of Allah, meaning that you have to do your effort, and then you rely on Hashem, that's for the majority of the Jewish nation. Certain individuals, righteous individuals, they could adhere to the higher level of the Ramban, Nachmanides, where you don't have to do anything, you cast everything to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and HaKadosh Baruch Hu takes care of everything. This is based off a Gemara in Barachot, chapter 35b. That Rabbi Shimon Bayechai, stay, bear with me with this, Rabbi Shimon Bayechai goes and says that when Klalisa, when the Jewish nation performs the will of God, their work is done by others. Meaning that all a Jewish person will do is focus on the spiritual. Everything else will take care of by others. That's what Rabbi Shemayachai says the Rashi. Rabbi Shmuel goes and says, we follow the minig of Derech Haaretz. We follow the normal custom of the world. And you have to do the normal Yishtadlut. Explains Rabbi Chaim Balazhan, and Nafesh And he goes and he says that Rabbi Shmuel and Rabbi Shemayachai are not really holding opposing views. I may have said this already before, but I feel it's very, very important to repeat it. It's, so, it's a beautiful aspect. Says Rabbi Chaim Belajan, they are not arguing. Rabbi Shmuel is referring to people that are not on a high level. And they're not deserving of miracles, and hence you have to do your normal ishtadlut, your normal efforts. And this corresponds to the Chavot al-Vavot, in, in what, he say, what the Chavot al says, that you, have to, you can't rely on miracles, you have to do your effort. Rabbi Shimon Bar-Yichai, on the other hand, he's speaking about people on a very high level. People that have complete trust in Hashem and thereby they merit miracles. This corresponds, to, this is what the Ramban, the Nachmanides goes and says, that you sit and learn in the base Medrash, you sit and learn all day, and everything else will take, will take care by Hashem. So really, explains, Rabbi Chaim Velazhen, there's no argument over here. It's just referring to different level of people. At one person is on a level that they need to do their effort. Another person is on a level that they don't need to do their effort. And everything will take care of all of them because they're all focusing on the spiritual growth. So now we see over here, explains the Usher Zalag there are three categories of, of bitachan in this area. Number one is self-reliant. This is an unacceptable level. Meaning that this person could be anywhere from an ignoramus, somebody who's ignorant, 
or rebellious, going against HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And what is that viewpoint? The viewpoint is, Hashem will or cannot take care of my needs. Only only my power make me my, my money. Only my success, my hard work, my perseverance, my knowledge, my financial backing, whatever it is, that's what made me the money. And God is out of the picture. God has nothing to do with it. It's all about me. This is unacceptable. That's level one. There's level two. And that is somebody who is the level of Rabbi Shmuel. And this is actually where the, the Rambam, Maimonides, Paskins, and this follows Rabbi Shmuel as well as Shulchan Aruch also does Paskin this way, that what? That, um, that you go and you uh, do your Hishtadlut, and the rest is up to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. The third level, this is uh, somebody on the level of the opinion of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai. This is the optimal level. And that is the level, the way that you know, we can explain it is the Gemara on Brachos, page 35b, that Rabbi Shem Baruch came out of his cave, and he saw that people were plowing the field. And he says, how can one plow his field? What's going to be with the study of Torah? So when Rashi, when, he, when Rashi came out of the cave, they saw them, he killed them with fire. He saw them, he was at such a high level, destroyed people with fire. They're forsaking the eternal life and involving in the temporary world. And he held out what? That somebody has to learn Torah all day, and what? Hashem will support everyone, Hashem will take care of you. Don't worry about it. So this is level number three. This is level number three. This is an optimal level, but this is a level that you have to be on the level to be able to be on the level. <laughs> you ha- it's, a, it's, a, it's a high level. So we see over here there's three levels. There's level number one, God's on a picture. There's level number two, where you do your effort and then everything is in God's hand. There's level number three, where you don't have to do anything and everything is in God's hand. And you just sit back and you do your spiritual pursuit and the physical will be taken care of. And in fact, the Rambam went and explained something beautifully. He says, why did Shevet Levi not merit a portion in the land like his brothers? And the answer is because the Shevet Levi, they were servants of, they are servants of Hashem. Everybody's servants of Hashem, but their focus was what to be the teachers. And they were separated from the world. And they were therefore, they were also exempt from going to war. But explains the Rambam, this is not only for the tribe of Levi. Any person who do, goes and decides that they're going to separate themselves and are going to be their, their desire of this world is to focus on Sarah Kadesh Baruch Hu, they are just like the Shevet Levi and they could separate it and everything will be taken care of from, from Shemaim. Everything will be taken care of from heaven. So now, we have to understand this a step further. So we know level one, we're. Everything is in your hand and nothing is in God's hand. That's not the correct level. And we know, you know, no one should be on that level. But let's say look at level two. Level two is, and by the way, I know there's plenty of places in between, but this is the places where halakhically you're allowed to, you're allowed to be. Two or three. One, no, and anywhere between one and two, or you know you shouldn't be. What I mean by that is, you know, let's not get into that. We're not going to have time to finish. So now, you have over here level two with level three. Level two is where you're going and you're doing your, your effort and everything's from God. Level number three is that you're, you're focusing on the spiritual and physical takes care of, you know, is going to be taken care of from up above. The idea behind level two is that even though you're doing something and even though you're, you're focusing on your, you know, let's say you're doing your shadow, you're doing your effort. So let's say it's in Panasa, you're going out, you're getting a job, you're working the hours. Your focus is not that this is going to give me money. Your focus is that everything is from Hashem. Your focus, so your focus is completely different than your, that, than what it would be if, if you feel like your effort is what's going to bring you in the money. Number three, for, the level number three is for sure like that. So bear with me. If I'm losing you, stay with me. I'm going to clarify this very, very shortly. 
Rav Menach Mendel of Rimenov, he went to Lezhinsk to go and visit the Noam Elimelech. Rav Elimelech Lezhinsk. And he noticed he was walking, this big rabbi was walking, and he saw a gold coin lying on the road. And he was about to pick it up. Lost money, you know, in the public road. You're allowed to pick it up, you're allowed to keep it. In certain situations, depending if you're learning about yeah, But whatever it is, you're going and you're sitting and you're, and you're finding money on the road. You are, you know, and, he, and he's about to pick it up, the rabbi. And the rabbi suddenly starts, stops for a second and says, wait a minute. And he goes and he says that if Hashem wants me to have this gold coin, he can put it in my pocket. I don't have to stop to pick it up. And he didn't pick it up. He continued on his way. And he went to visit the Ramah Lamalek in Lezhinsk. A short while later, another person, also on his way to Lezhinsk, passed the very same spot, saw the gold coin, picked it up, put it in his pocket. He arrived at Lezhinsk, and he met, you know, Rav Menachem Mendel of Rimenov. He met the rabbi who passed also over that gold coin. And he looks at the rabbi, and he says, you know what? He takes a coin out of his pocket, and he goes to the rabbi, and he says, I don't need this. Please, do me the honor and accept this as a gift. Rabbi Memnachem Mendel went and he looked at that and it's exactly the same coin that he saw lying over there. And he, and he, he was marveled at this Hashgacha Pratis. He said, look at this. If something is destined from heaven, if something is destined from above, one doesn't need to do a single action, it will come right to them. There was a rabbi, Rabbi Arya Leibish of Ozarov. He commented on this story. And he says that one must certainly invest effort in order to acquire material needs. And if a normal person would be walking past by the road and will find the gold coin, that person should pick up the gold coin. But somebody on the level of Rabbi Nachem Mendel Rimenov, he's such a high level of Unam, that was the correct thing. He didn't have to do anything. Money will come to him because he was a level number three already. But if you're level number two, don't pretend that you're level number three and be like, okay, listen, I don't have to do anything. Hagadish Baruch Hu will bring it, will, will bring it to, you know, to me. It's so important to realize where you're holding. Where you're holding. Why is it so important? Number one is you have to be honest with yourself. Number two, if you know where you're holding, then you have room for growth. I've spoken to so many people where they think they're so amazing. Like they're, how many people are like, oh, you know, like, you don't understand. Like a single people, like my wife, she's going to be so lucky to have someone like me. Like, come on, like nobody is like me. And in my mind, this particular case, I didn't say it, you know, Baruch Hashem, Hashem gave me the little bit of self-restraint not to say anything. I like, why? What do you have so special about you? You know, I don't see any, I mean, like I know you pretty well, you know, I've been speaking about you for years. What is so special that, oh, you're going to, but rather people think of themselves on such a high level, or on the flip side, they think of themselves very low level, have low self-esteem, and that's not, that's not good either. You have to be honest with yourself. You have to know where you're holding. If you're holding higher than you really are, then make sure that you realize that. Why? Because then you realize where I have to grow. If you know, if you're honest where you're holding in your life, <coughs> then, you could, then you can have some direction. But if you're going to lie to yourself that you're really okay and you're really not, then why will you ever change? And if you're going to be in a really, really high place, but you convince yourself that you're in a really, really low place, I'm not talking about a place of humility, but rather a place of low self-esteem, then you're not going to be able to accomplish anything. So you have to be really honest with yourself. And that's a really big question a person has to ask. Where am I holding? And not only where am I holding, you also have to focus, where's my focus? Where's my focus in my life? There was a Holocaust survivor that after the war, he went to, uh, came to Toronto, to Canada, and didn't speak uh, English, 
and uh, try to get a job. Couldn't find the job. And by the way, I'd like there's so many stories of this, like the way that this started. But uh, this particular person couldn't find the job, and he went around and he started uh, um, selling rags, shmatas, like, like like rags. And he made a few dollars. He saved a little money and invested in leftover, you know, uh, better products. And he ended up in investing in, uh, you know, putting buying scrap metal, buying scrap metal, selling scrap metal. Eventually, this this man, the Tenenbaum family, he became a multi-millionaire. He he built the largest scrap metal business in Canada, and you know, he did a lot of uh, charity during his time. Did that, but it was very interesting when you know we spoke when he, when he was spoken to. Be like you know like it's a shame you didn't speak English. You could have gotten who knows how far. And he says no. The reason why I got to where I got to is because I didn't speak English. If I would have spoken English, I would have got some mediocre job. And there are many times where you have people. Forget about people. You have yourself. Where you're trying to go and accomplish something, and it seems like Hashem just closes one door after another. Like, it's like, God, what do you want from me? Like, I'm trying to get married, and why is this door closed? And there's no, no here. I'm trying to open up a business. I'm trying to go and get a job, and I can't get here. I can't get here. Every door I go to is closed. And we feel like, what's going on? And if you look at this person, this Tenenbaum, he went, and doors were closed for him, one after another. And you would think, okay, like, what's the point? Like, why is God doing it? And little did he know that Akadosh Baruch was closing one door after another door to lead him to the door that will make him the most successful. So how many times in our life do we try to accomplish something and we don't? And it fails. And we say, like, why, Hashem? Like, why? And Hashem says, this is not the door for you. Uh, this door is not meant for you. I close this door because it's not your door. Your door is a little bit further down. I'm giving you directions. It's spiritual GPS, spiritual navigation. So we don't see turn right and turn left. So I can describe who guides us, like when you bowl, when you go bowling, and there's those bumper guards. So you can have, you know, like those little kids that they go and they roll it, and it takes about six, six and a half minutes to the bowl to get there, and to, you know, to the pins, but it doesn't fall into the gutter. Why? Because there's bumper cards, a bumper card, whatever it's called, the bumpers. And it'll bounce from side to side until it hits something. I can just broke in our life, guides us on a certain path. And we may want to say, okay, this is where the bowl, this is where I want to go. And it's a bumper, and we bump to the other side. Okay, maybe this, and God says, no, you have to go straight. That's where your goal is. And how many times did you hear these stories where people went and they dated somebody? And as an example, and they were about to get engaged and everything, and the guy or the girl just dumped them out of the blue. And they're like, why? Like, I can't believe it. And they take it so bad. And then many years or many weeks or many months, depending on the story, go by and they finally find the right one. And then they look back and they'll be like, wow, I am so lucky. Because if I would have married that other person, that other person wasn't right for me. This is the perfect person for me. And here we could see how Hashem like closes doors to guide you to go into the right door. But there's an other side to that dreaming fantasy or thought process. And the other side is, let's say you do, you know, you're about to get engaged to somebody, not you, somebody's about to get engaged to somebody, and it breaks off, and they end up getting married to somebody else. And let's say that second marriage is not a great marriage. What do they think? Oh, if only I would have married the first one, I would have been so much in a better place. I would have been so much in a better place. Like, I went into the wrong door. Like, how many times? Because it goes both ways. And how many times did I speak to people? Oh, how unfortunate it is. You speak to people and be like, yeah, I married the wrong person. Like, what? What do you mean? But like now, and, and what's their thought process? Okay, I have kids over here, so I'm stuck. 
what should I do? Oh, I'm going to kill them. You know, like, and their whole life is messed up. Their whole life is messed up. And I'm like, no, that, your entire focus is wrong. You marry the person that you need to. That's your focus. You're, who you're married to right now, that's who you need to. In most cases, in most cases, listen to this because it's very important. It's not the spouse that needs to change. It's not like, oh, if I would change the spouse, then I would have a more happier marriage. If I would change the business, then I'll be more successful. No, no, no. You're looking at it all wrong. Your focus is all wrong. It's not about the spouse. It's you. It's you who needs to go and change. You have to go and, and, and you know, change your focus. How many times do we think, okay, if my wife or if my husband would be a little bit better, then I would have a good marriage. Like, no, 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 no. You're looking at it all wrong. You're looking at it all wrong. By the way, who knows if your spouse is not saying that to you. About you, not to you, about you. Oh, if I, my husband or my wife would be a little bit, maybe that would change. You're looking at, you're playing the blame game. And that's not the focus. The focus has to be on your own. Your focus has to be on you. You know the difference when people focus on spiritual over physical? It's not because they're not going to go to work and they're not going to make money. No, no, no. Even if you're doing physical, even if you're doing physical stuff, you could still. Even if your focus, I'm sorry, is on the spiritual, you could still be very successful in the physical. You just have, you just have better priorities. You just know where your focus is. You know where your where your mindset is. And if you're focusing always on the spiritual, then when you come to an obstacle, when you come to some sort of blockage or some sort of situation. You don't look at it as an obstacle. You look at it as an opportunity. Because your focus is, wait, I'm here to grow spiritual. So if let's say I came into a situation with my wife or my husband or my business partner or my job, or whatever it is, if your focus is on the spiritual, then your physical is completely different. You're not looking on like, oh, let me change this problem and then I'll, this will resolve the issue. The way that you look at it is, let me change me and then it will resolve the issue. When we say a lot by, when you're looking for, you know, the spouse, people look for the perfect one. And my favorite line, one of my favorite lines is, don't look for the perfect one, become the perfect one. This is not only in dating. This is also after you get married. You have to think, don't start saying, okay, if only, if only, no, no, no. Stop if only the other person. If only you, if put your focus on the spiritual. When your focus is on the spiritual, then the focus is in the mirror and you're looking at yourself and be like, what could I do better? What could I improve on? What could I grow on? So when you focus on the wrong thing in life, it affects your whole situation. When you focus on the physical, it's always the other person that gets the blame. You ever hear of the saying, oh, you fell in love, or you fell out of love? What does that mean? You fell in love, you fell out of love. This secular term of falling in love. What is that? That means that I like you because I like the way that you make me feel. And when I don't like you anymore... That's because I don't like the way that you make me feel. Meaning, that it has nothing to do about me. It has to do about you. And I'll love you if you make me feel good. And I won't love you if you don't make me feel good. So really the focus is not on yourself, but it's on the other person. So you don't love the other person. Because if you love the other person, you'll love them unconditionally. So really what you really love is you love yourself. I love the way that you make me feel. You love your car. You don't love your car. You love the way that your car makes you feel. You love your dresses, you love your clothing, you love your shoes. You don't love the shoes. You love the way the shoes make you feel. You love you. Your shoes are the way of making you love you better. So the focus is really is on yourself. So if your focus is on the physical, 
If your focus is on physical pursuits, then what you're doing is all you're focusing is on the outside, is on somebody else. When you're focusing on the spiritual, then every obstacle becomes an opportunity. And anything that you're going to do, you're going to do the same way. You're going to still go to the job, you're going to still go to work, you're going to still do whatever it is they do, but if your focus is a little bit different, it changes your entire mindset. And this is also a huge difference between Judaism and other religions. So you have like Christianity, priests that abstain from many of many things. They don't get married, they don't have children. You know, they abstain away from the from, a lot from the physical. Judaism, on the other hand, it's not that's that's the incorrect method. Kaddish Baruch gave us a physical world. We're supposed to use the physical world. And in many times we're supposed to enjoy the physical world. But what we do is we take that physical and we turn it into spiritual. So physical is needed. It's important. It's imperative. And in many times it's even required. But your focus, that's what depends on it all. Where is your focus? Is your focus on the spiritual or is the focus on the physical? So let's take this into a little bit of a of a recap and try to understand this. And by the way, I just wanted to leave you you know, with one, one also important idea. The goal of today was not really to give you an answer or a solution or anything. The goal of this class was really to bring you a question. And that is, where's your focus? Is it on the spiritual or is it on the physical? How are you going to get there? Okay, so we gave some answers that you may or may not have picked up on, and it's fine if you didn't. But really the focus was, the goal was of this class, was really to bring you that question of where you're holding. Do you honor, do you respect only the wealthy? And I'm not saying you shouldn't. Right, you should. But what about the spiritual? What about the righteous? What about the big rabbis? What about the Torah? What about the synagogue? Do you respect the synagogue? Do you walk in? And do you start speaking while everybody's praying? Like, where is your respect? A rabbi is speaking. Are you going to go under the table and play video games or, or use your phone? If you have, you know, sitting there, uh, I don't know, let's say you have uh, Elon Musk giving a small uh, a lecture to 10 people, and you're one of them, are you going to take out your phone and, you know, start uh, playing video games or, or searching through your WhatsApp statuses or whatever it is that you're wasting time with? So where, if you would say yes to one and not the other, then you could see where your focus is. How important is this question? This question is so imperative, so important, that we have to ask ourselves, and not once. This is a question that we should probably ask ourselves on a daily basis. Where we're holding? What's, what's, our, what's our real level? Is our focus the physical or our focus the spiritual? And again, I want to clarify that when your focus is on the spiritual, that doesn't mean that you're not doing anything physical. But... If your focus is on the physical, and only on the physical, there's a very big chance that you're not doing much on the spiritual side. So again, that really, you could do everything exactly the same, but if your focus is a little bit different, if you respect somebody, just a little bit, it changes your entire, entire mindset. And everything is going to change. Your relationship, your well-being, your mental health. Think about, think about that for a second. Your mental, if, if your goal is spiritual, a lot of the people have anxiety, depression, why, because of their situations, whatever it is, the physical situations, generally speaking. So when you're realizing that, wait a minute, my physical situation is not my focus, my focus is really my spiritual situation, you relieve so much stress, so much, 
you know, issues that you may have had on the physical side that's no longer there. So you could succeed in so many places. So the goal, again, the goal for tonight was simply to go and ask yourself where your focus is. Is it on the physical or is it on the spiritual? And most people are going to have both. But the question, and this is the final question that I'm going to leave you off, is what's your percentage? Is your, goal, is your focus 60% spiritual, 40% physical, 50-50, or the other way around, 40, or is it 10-90? That's the, really the focus. And you really have to be honest with yourself. And if you're falling where your physical is a lot higher than your spiritual, then you have to do some contemplating, some meditating, some thinking. I'd be like, okay, wait a minute. What should I do to change? And again, I'm not telling you don't st- you know, stop working. I'm not telling you any of that. All I'm telling you is change your focus because it's going to change your life. I hope that was clear. And if not, please feel free to ask. It, either unmute yourself or you can ask in the comment box and we'll go and open up to some questions now. We have some questions that came in. Okay, let's see what we have over here. My focus is spiritual, but I need the physical. I have son-in-laws of Torah. Okay, that's not a question, but yes. Baruch Hashem is grateful for you know, everything. Um, next question we have over here. If your spiritual is physical... Should you continue doing it in hopes of changing? Oh, good, good, good question. Listen to this. If your spiritual is physical, should you continue doing it in hopes of changing the spiritual or take a step back and working on building a solid spiritual foundation first? Oh, excellent question. Excellent question. First of all, before I answer that question, I want to thank everybody for coming because I know not everybody stays for all the Q&A aspect of it. So thank you all for joining us. Bezal Hashem will continue with this uh, series uh, next week. will be a little bit different. Today was a little bit more philosophical, a little bit more on a um, you know, thinking aspect. Bezal Hashem next week should probably be a little bit different. But let's answer this question. This question is great. So let's say your physical, your spiritual is physical, meaning that you're doing things that, for the spiritual, but it's more for physical reasons. Should you stop doing that? Because maybe you're not doing it for the right uh, reasons. And the answer is 100% not. Why? Meaning that you should do something, even if you're not doing it for the right... You should do something good. <laughs> let's, let's rephrase that. Even though it's not for the right reasons, because eventually the right reasons will come out. So what, all I'm doing is basically giving you a catalyst for that happening. I'm telling you, okay, so now if you realize that, you could focus on that. Keep on doing what you're doing, but try to change it a little bit. So whatever, you know, and I don't want to start giving examples because we could, hours of examples. But whatever it is that you're doing, whether it's prayer, chesed, learning, whatever it is, if you feel like you're doing it more on the physical side rather than spiritual side, I'll tell you one easy step to work on. And that is before you do it, just think about what you're about to do, just think about it. Whether, let's say you're about to listen to a class and you're going to enjoy it, or you're about whatever it is, just think about it and say, and just even superficially say, "I'm doing this for God." Even though you're going to be gaining something from it, but that's a step one. Step one is first of all the acknowledgement of it, and and just even saying it, it's going to change it. It's going to change everything. Okay. All uh, right. Next. Uh, okay. I'm I'm skipping over the comments. I'm just going to go. Um, to the questions, or what I think is questions. Okay, next question. I make an attempt to remind myself that I'm doing physical actions, such as eating, sleeping, exercise for spiritual reasons, but I know that I'm also personally benefiting and gaining from these actions. Should we strive for a higher spiritual level in this area? So first of all, that is great. That is great. So for example, what this uh, you know question is saying is that you're about to go to sleep the correct way. And it's hard. It's very, you know, people forget. Is before you go to sleep, you think about, okay, I'm going to sleep right now, so I'll have energy tomorrow to serve God. 
and you'll be like, wait a minute, who am I joking? What am I serving God tomorrow? Like, I'm going to be going and I'm working the entire day. Like, where is the serving? And no, the physical, you have to realize that that physical can still be spiritual. So let's say you go and your entire day consists of doing things that are not spiritual. So you're going and you're working all day. So you go to sleep and you say, okay, I'm, I'm going to sleep so I can be able to serve God better tomorrow. And tomorrow you wake up, you're praying before you go to work. That already is something that you benefited from that sleep. Even though the rest of the day, you're maybe you're not you know, doing anything spiritual. But you're taking everything and you're breaking it down. And you could say, I'm doing this for a spiritual benefit. I'm going to work so I have money so I can provide for my children, send them to yeshivas, provide for this, buy kosher food, whatever it is. You can make anything, anything, anything in the spiritual aspect of it. And how powerful that makes everything all of a sudden into a, you're getting reward for that. So when you're going to sleep thinking that you're doing it to help serve HaKadosh Baruch Hu, then that sleep becomes a mitzvah. It's, it's huge. Okay, even though we didn't really speak much about that, we probably should have spoken about it more. Okay, next question. If I have all my needs met and paid for, then have a personal allowance. Am I allowed to give 90% of my money to tzedakah since I don't need that allowance to pay for my needs? So there is, so this is a, this is a question more about um, percentages of tzedakah that you give. So... Generally, the way that you're supposed to give stuck up is you're supposed to give 10%, and if you're able to, you give 20%. But what about somebody who wants to give more than that? So there is, for, for the majority of people, one should not give more than that because they won't be able to survive. So they're going to give out all the money. Their children are not going to be able to have any uh, food in them, and they're going to be like, oh, well, I gave 90% of money to uh, charity. But let's say somebody is a multi-billionaire, <clears throat> makes a billion dollars a year, and doesn't need a billion dollars a year to... So he goes and he gives $900 million every year to charity. Is that allowed? 100%. Is that good? 100%. Should that person be... Per, that, that's awesome. That's amazing. And that's more than 20%, but they're able to go and they're able to survive. So if somebody... If you have the ability that you don't need the money, let's say you're a single and you're living and you don't really need the money, then 100%. There's no problem of going and giving it to charity. But there are a few caveats to that, and I don't want to bring that you know up now, per se, let me just give an example. I'm not talking about this particular question, but let's say somebody's going to Israel for seminary yeshiva, and the parents give them a certain amount of money to spend. And that money that they're going to go and spend is also partially their parents' money. So before they do something that maybe, they, there should be some sort of question asked, but again, it depends. I'm just throwing it out there. Not necessarily, technically you could, but there is something that can be looked a little bit more into this question, but that's a general answer. Next question. At the end of the day, living spiritually and doing mitzvahs will cause us eternal rewards. So aren't we in essence doing it for ourselves and not for Hashem? Yes, so that's a good question. The question is, if we're going and we're doing something, we're doing something because we're going to get, uh, you know, we're going to get reward. So the truth of the matter is, and this is the Mishnah in Perkei Elbus, that the highest level of serving a Kaddish Baruch Hu is not to get reward. That is really the highest level to do it. But of course, you could definitely serve Hashem to get reward, and that's not, uh, you know, that, that's not a problem itself. It is something more on, you know, so maybe that's, you could say that's more on, you know, a personal gain. And that's not what we're focusing on today. It's not about the personal gain. So look at, if you look and you, and I'll give you an example. Let's say you're going and you do some sort of chesed and you really enjoy it. Should you not do it because you enjoy it? It's giving you physical pleasure. And then it says, no, because it's still spiritual growth. Of course you should still do it. It's, even though it's giving you some sort of benefit afterwards, it doesn't mean that it's not spiritual and it doesn't mean that there's no growth into that. So even though you could and you are getting reward from something, that doesn't detract from the aspect of the holiness of it. 
However, the highest level is to do something not for reward. Okay, next question. What is better, using physical for spiritual or removing all spiritual like a Nazir? So that's a good question, and it really depends on the person. But for the majority of the people, it's using physical for spiritual. The righteous people, the big tzaddikim of the dar, you know, the generation, they're fasting all day, and they're on the levels that, that they can do that, and that's the highest, that is the highest level. But for the general population, it's taking the physical and making it into spiritual. Next question. What is included in spiritual effort? Davening, talking to Hashem, learning, working on oneself, all of those. Um, but anything, anything that's a mitzvah is spiritual. But also, you can really stretch that, and, and even if you're doing physical things, if you're doing it for a spiritual purpose, that also becomes spiritual. So really, the spiritual could be everything. But regarding to spiritual effort is specifically all the mitzvot, anything that's a mitzvah, whether it's uh, chesed, whether it's... Even, people don't realize that, let's say you have a friend that's going through a hard time, and they need an ear to listen to or to talk to, that's also a mitzvah. That's also something that you're, you know, that's, that's chesed that, that you're doing over there. So people don't realize what the amount of chesed that, 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 actually, um, that actually is. There's, there's a tremendous amount that we, could, that we do, and we don't even realize the potential reward that we'll be getting for it. Next. What do you mean by physical or spiritual? Can you please define it a little more? Yes, thank you for asking that. Um, so physical focus is, let's say somebody is, is, their entire focus of their life is, is physicality, meaning their entire focus is money, their entire focus is, um, is buying clothing, going out to eat, like physical desires, uh, so to speak. And the spiritual one, the, the spiritual focus, the spiritual uh, pursuit, that's doing things for the, you know, for Hashem, like learning, praying, uh, growing in oneself, becoming a better person, fixing your character traits that people don't realize is very spiritual. All these things is a very, very spiritual um, aspect of it. And then the way that we explain today is that you could even take physical things and turn it spiritual if you do it for the spiritual purposes for it. Okay. Um, I've got a few thank yous, so thank, thank you for the thank yous. Uh, okay, what age do we come back... Oh, <laughs> it's a different question. What age do we come back by in Tchias HaMesim? In the resurrection of the dead, what, what, age, uh, what age do we come uh, back by? So... I'm trying to remember this. I spoke about this in two different classes. We have two different classes that we spoke about resurrection of the dead. And by the way, if you want more information on this, I would say to go and speak about it, uh, to, to go and listen to those classes. You go on tour anytime. One class was in the in, was in the Mashiach series. We spoke about resurrection of the dead, and then we also spoke about resurrection of the dead in. The 13 Principles of Faith class. Those two classes, I believe, we spoke about resurrection of the dead. So regarding of what age you come back, I, my memory is not serving me so sharp now, and I don't recall exactly. I have two ideas, and I believe there are two options. The Arizal does speak a little bit about this, and I don't remember if this is what he spoke about, if it's the, day, the age that you died or your prime, for whatever reason. Um, so I can't answer you with, with definitive, and I, don't, I have a thought and I don't want to go say it because I'm not 100% certain in it. So I would say go listen to those two classes. I should have more information over there. I'm sorry, my memory slipped my mind now and I, it's not coming to me. And it's one of those things that's going to bother me. I don't have to, you know, well, I'll figure it out soon. Okay, where are we next? What do you mean by, oh, okay, this is, we just asked this question. Okay, answer this. Every morning, 
When I wake up, I say Mada Ani and say thank you Hashem for another day to get closer to you with love and Yira. And before I go to sleep, I say a prayer of thank you to Hashem while I say, I try to have in mind all the good and bad that happened during that day and say thank you for everything. That is amazing. So everybody should hear that and everybody should do that. When you wake up in the morning, you say thank you. Not just like Madani, you know, like, you know, like, like in your own words, like say thank you. And before you go to sleep, say thank you also. What happens during the day? You know, like thank you for the good, thank you for the bad. Oh, um, gratitude is like the, one of the number one things on my list. Like I, I, I push that so much. That's huge. That I, and I, I said this before, I do this with my kids, you know, when we don't have guests, because they get a little bit embarrassed. Uh, but when we don't have guests, after I say Advar Torah, we go around the table and every person, including myself, my wife, we all say five things that we're thankful to Hashem for. And everybody goes around, from my little one uh, to the oldest one. Well, now my little one's not speaking yet, but... You know, the ones that are able to verbalize and speak, they are going and they say, thank you, Hashem. I think it's huge. Next question. Okay. I know that you can't test Hashem in anything except for Meiser, but can you ask Hashem for, to do something for you by doing something for Him? Based on Hashem's concept, Mida, Kanek, Mida. For example, I just made it up. Being extra stringent in Shemir Salash and Hashem can give you a better singing voice. So that's a good question. So the question is, can you do something for a merit for something? And I'm, I'm rephrasing the question because that's the way that I can answer it. Can you do um, a mitzvah or something for a merit for something else? And the answer is yes, you can. Let's say you go and you decide that you uh, are going to, I don't know, give, you know, well, I can't give charity, it was used. Um, teach somebody else Torah for the merit that you'll be able to understand better the Torah? And the answer is yes, you can. You can say a little prayer beforehand and say, Hashem, please help me. I'm doing this chesed. I'm doing this X, Y, and Z. So please, so I should have, you know, uh, you know, this, you know, come back. It's more of a tefillah also than a tit for tat or mida kanek mida because we're not saying, we're not going to Hashem and be like, listen, Hashem, I do for you. I scratch your back. You scratch my, that's not the way that we go and present, you know, God. God gives everything, but we're asking for it and a merit. And that's why I rephrased it a little bit. So it's more of a prayer and a merit because of what I did in merit for X, Y, and Z. And that's why you have people that let's say before you know rabbi gives a class they give a little donation say can you put this uh, this class in merit of me being successful in business me finding a shidduch or my you know all, it's it's the same uh, similar concept okay next question oh no wait yeah last question last question what can i do to remove myself from focusing so much on the physical world okay great question what what is a practical thing that you could do um, so we gave one advice beforehand and the advice was that just think before you do something and make that into, into, into something spiritual. So I'm not even saying to do anything different. Because I'm not, that's, that's a big step to change people's life. This is not even that. You don't even have to do that. Whatever it is that you're doing, let's say you're going and you're going to say, um, I'm going to do some exercise. So like, you know, and you enjoy exercise. Some people love exercise and it's great. And they, you know, they do, I'm going to go do exercise. So if you stop and say, you know, I'm going to do exercise so I feel better, so I could serve Hashem better, so I could daven better, so I could learn better. That in itself, you're doing something physical, but your, your focus of it is, is a spiritual backing to it. So how do you remove yourself from the physical world? In a slow and easy step, make everything that you do with a little twist and, and make it into more of a spiritual aspect. Now again, you can't be like, okay, I'm about to do this sin so that I'll get closer to Hashem for that. I mean, obviously we have to be smart. Like I've spoken to somebody, I remember this, where a person went and he said, okay, you know, like I, I'm, if I'm very good in a certain avera and I don't do it, he, he felt he was a, an addict in a certain thing. And he said, if I don't fall 
in this. For two months, I reward myself by going and doing the same Avera with somebody, paying somebody to do it with me. Like, that, that, that was his thought process. So it's like, you know, like, it's so, it was so backwards. It was so backwards. So I'm not saying, like, you should do a sin, oh, and this is going to make me closer to God. No, obviously I'm talking about only things that are kosher, only things that are legit, and things that are normal, and things that you're doing anyways. Just put a little bit of a different focus on it. It's going to change. First of all, it's going to make you start thinking. It's so important to think. How, we live life without thinking. We live life with just like, we just cruise past by it. We don't focus. We don't, we, we just like, we do stuff, but we don't stop for a second and think. And if you train yourself to just think a little bit before you do something, your day is different. Your mindset is different. The way that you act is different. The way that you present yourself is different. It's just thinking before you do something. And oh, how hard it is. And I'm telling you, like I speak about it, and it's so hard. Even for me, like it's, it's, a, it's a struggle. It might be easy to do it for a day or two, but it's something that's very, very, it's a big struggle. And I'll tell you another tip. That generally, you know, you get inspired, you want to change something. It lasts for like a day or two. How do you make that last a little bit longer? The way that you last a little bit longer is put reminders you know, you have her on your phone, you have a calendar, you put a reminder every day at like 12 o'clock. It'll pop up and you, it could just be like one word. It could be just like focus or think or change, do the next thing that you do into something spiritual. Like whatever it is, like do something that you look at it and be like, okay, and so it'll remind you to keep the, this type of mindset. Next question. Will this class be posted on Torah anytime? Yes, Emeritus Hashem, it will be posted at any time, but you know, we're still behind. There's a few classes that I didn't post up, so it's going to be like in a week or two. Next question. I know it says, I know it said the last question, but we had a few more questions that jumped in. So uh, I know it says that even a thief who is stealing but believes in Hashem and he will help him, but how does he have real emunah if he's stealing? That's a good question. It's like a catch-22. Like you have, you know, uh, you know, you believe in God, but then again, you're stealing. And even though it sounds crazy, we're most of us are on the same level most of, like we believe in god but then you know fully but then like if our boss tells us to do something that's maybe not 100% aligned with the torah but there's like a gray area like okay maybe we'll do it because like ah it's a gray area you know like oh we won't eat pork but if he tells us to do something that may you know like okay fine we'll do it but wait a minute i thought you had a muna how can you do it because the answer is that we have a muna and it depends on how strong it is and how strong and powerful it is. So a thief has a level of a moon and knows that everything's, you know, that God could control, sort of speak, everything. But he doesn't think that God could help me in my situation. You know, like I have to do my effort, my shadlut. My shadlut is breaking into this guy's house and then stealing. But then he prays to God, please don't get me, let me get caught. So there is, even though it seems like it's a contradiction and it's a little bit on the funny side, but if we really think about it, we're not that, I mean, we're hopefully we're, we're pretty different and we're not breaking into people's houses and praying to God, you know, for, for, you know, not getting caught. But you can find that in your, in your life. And that's just a, a, um, a separation of how strong the level of your amuna is. And if it's a little bit on the weaker, then, you know, these, uh, little contradicting uh, situations do arise. Next question is any tips about stop focusing on the fancy side of life? There's a lot of them, but I'll tell you one of them is our focus on the fancy side of life and the luxuries of life is when we look at other people. If you stop looking at other people, then you won't have that desire on the fancy side. If people go and they're sitting over there and they're looking at, especially people go and they, they, there's like a whole 
world of information just on celebrities' lives and what their vacations and their private jets and their homes and their yachts and their everything that they have and their day-to-day life. And, you know, people nowadays, it's ridiculous. You have people on social media that they record what they do all day. And if they're not working, they record of what they're doing and not working. So when you're involved in this and you're looking, wait, wait a minute, this wife is, you know, she wakes up in the morning at 10 o'clock and then she has her smoothie and then she goes to the gym to whatever it is and then she goes to have lunch and then she goes shopping and then she comes home and she takes a nap and then she wakes up to take another nap and then she takes another smoothie and then relaxes a little bit in the spa after her long difficult day and then she goes to sleep. I'd be like, wait a minute. So she, wait, there are people that don't work? That like, you know, so the more that you indulge yourself in this, you know, like what other people are doing and what do they have and what do they have, so the more that you want it. But if you focus more on yourself and more on what you have to do, then your 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 desires will, won't be as strong because you're not focused on other people. Okay, next question. I think we have two more questions. Okay, what you said before doing something to get back something. Maybe I'm wrong, but whenever I have a challenge or a bump in my journey of my life, I try to take upon myself something and dive. And when I finish, I just say a small prayer and say, Hashem, I'm doing mine and the rest is yours, is your will, and let that be my, uh, your, the rest is your will and let that be my will. And truly to, I try to truly believe that isn't like I thought, I threw my challenge onto Hashem and I keep saying thank you. I'm a little bit lost about that. I think I get your gist of it. And it seems to be right. <laughs> but I am a little bit confused in the, I guess, the way that it came. Now, but basically, yes. You're saying, no, yeah, Hashem is not going to abandon you. That you're going to do your part and Hashem will do his part. Um, that, is, that is correct. That is uh, correct. But again, the, the mindset is, isn't, shouldn't be that, oh, Hashem, I did for you. Because you know, again, we don't, Hashem doesn't need us for anything. But it's more of like a merit. But yeah, same idea. Okay, next. Oh, it seems like the last. Oh, no, it's a continuation. And truly believe that whatever outcome that's the best for me, I do my shtalas by davening or doing what I ha- doing what I have to and not let it take over my life. Yes, 100%. That, that I agree with. That you have to do, you know, first of all, whatever out, you do your effort and you have your amuna and your bitachon and then the rest is in Hashem's hand. And you believe that whatever Hashem does, that's going to be for the best for me because I did my effort, my physical effort, my spiritual effort. Um, so definitely, definitely, definitely. Okay. Thank you very much. I had a nice, a very nice compliment about this class. Uh, the next class will Bezat Hashem be next Thursday, God willing. Um, and for whoever is not on, we have a special um, WhatsApp chat that I really, you know what, I'm going to put, there's two WhatsApp chats. There is one for women only that there is no other, um, you know, like any, like, I, I don't know, truth is I don't know what goes on over there because I'm not... Um, I'm not on it, but it's just pretty much gives the classes. And then we have another chat that you can um, that you can join, and there's little clips that are posted and things like that. So I'm going to post it in the in this uh, meeting in this chat, whatever thing that you could um, join this WhatsApp chat. And um, if you want just a women's only one, you could email me, and I could uh, send your number. To the woman, the girl that adds it, that adds it on. The you could email me at Rabbi Zitron at TorahAnytime.com. And I just post that also. Is that spelled right? Nope, that's spelled wrong. Don't don't use that one. Rabbi Z I T R O N at TorahAnytime. 
So, spelling it wrong, dot com. So it's rabbizitchonatoranytime.com that you could email me if you want to be joined to any of these classes. And then you get, and then the, it will be posted over there uh, when the classes are, what the topics are for now, and uh, how to join. Any other questions? Seems like well, that is all. All right. Thank you all for joining. Thank you all for coming. Until next week, may HaKadosh Baruch Hu bless each and every single one of us with ultimate blessings and everything. And may our physical and spiritual succeed beyond our wildest dreams. But more importantly, may our physical turn into spiritual and our spiritual will really be truly spiritual. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.